you for taking time to listen to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church and of our campus in Lexington, Kentucky. It is our prayer that as you listen today, you will be encouraged, challenged, and equipped to be all God has for you. We invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at either 8.30 or 11 o'clock a.m., at our Todd's Road campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. I want to put a few people on the spot. I have not warned them that I'm going to ask this question. So, uh, Camden, what is your favorite soft drink? Dr. Pepper. Great choice. Can you love Dr. Pepper and Mountain Dew? Yes. yes. Okay. You're going to make the sermon easy on me. Maddie, what is your favorite donut in Lexington? Oh, Spalding's donut. Oh, I thought you were going to say that. So can you love Spalding's glaze, those original glaze that are just cash-only delicious, right? Absolutely. At the same time, can you love North Lime's chocolate-covered donut? Well, it's close. Uh, it's close. <laughs> <laughs> so she's conceding that you can love them, even if one a little more, all right? Hmm. Brad. What's your favorite cinematic universe, Marvel or DC? Marvel, uh, hands down, right. But can you also appreciate the DC universe? Yes. Yes, okay. Jack and Marcy, favorite basketball team? Wildcats, okay. This is going to get me in trouble here. (laughs) So you see, I've set you up for this one. Can you also enjoy watching Duke? (laughs) the world says you you have to pick a favorite of all these things right like you've got to have a favorite drink and you can't like the other you've if you watch marvel movies you almost have to look down on people who watch dc movies if you if you like spaldings you really can't like north line and as i learned the hard way when i moved here if you like the wildcats you can't wear your duke hat into the barber shop (laughs) It is tucked neatly in my memory box, uh, never to exit my storage building again. I, I, did, I did come of age in the time of Christian Leitner, which I know is like saying a dirty word from, from this chancel. So I have repented and, and, and made amends. But the world says you can't like these two extremes, right? You can't like Pepsi, you can't like Coke at the same time. That's crazy. You can like Pepsi and Coke. You can like Marvel and DC. You can like, heaven forbid, the Wildcats and Duke. Our world, in fun ways like these little things, pushes us to the extremes, right? But we see this in everything in our lives. Can you support Black Lives Matters and believe that we need police officers who practice justice? Can you believe in women's rights to choose and the sanctity of life? Can you think that the death penalty should be abolished and yet demand justice for victim of crimes? Can you believe that, yes, there's a right to own guns, but we could also have gun control? Those aren't as fun to talk about, are they? I think... Our world largely says, no, you can't have any of those. 
you have to pick a side, right? You either have to be Black Lives Matter or you have to be pro-police. You, you can't have both signs in your yard, right? You have to be pro-life or pro-choice. You have to be pro-gun or gun control. Our world says you have to pick one. And frankly, if you pick one, they know your answer to everything else, right? If you say you are pro-choice, then the world assumes they know your answer to every other question, right? They can even ask the shorthand, are you a Republican or are you a Democrat? Will you get in the party line? Will you? Do you? Can you? You see this play out on Twitter when a celebrity will post about something and then somebody will say, but what about X, Y, or Z? And they'll start to try to trap them into, well, if you, if you think this, you can't think that. They're going to push and push and push until we're in these binaries of this or that, right? It's why we're all so uncomfortable talking about virtually anything these days except for banal, high-level nothing, right? Because you can't, you can't concede any point from your, your side. The world has become nasty about us picking. And it demands that you fall in line or they'll try to trap you. This is not new to the age of COVID. This is not new in this election cycle. This has been going on for human history. This is literally the cultural landscape of Jesus' time where factions have formed and you need to fall in line. Jesus has been preaching and teaching and doing miracles throughout his whole life and we get to today's text and finally the factions have had it. Pick your side, man. And they come ready to trap him. We're going to ask a question that's going to force your hand and make you declare in front of everybody whether you're this or you're that. You have the two parties that come to him. You have the Pharisees and the Herodians. You have the Pharisees who are the like, lay leaders of the people of Israel, the ones who are trying to keep everything together and maintain religious purity. They're kind of the ones who speak for the people who don't want yet to talk to the leaders. And you have the Herodians, this group of people who have kind of said, we're good with this whole Rome thing. Let's, let's support this, this king who is helping out Rome. Let's, let's kind of go along with, with all this. These are polar opposites. This is like if I went out in the parking lot and Jane Fonda and Franklin Graham came out to ask me what I thought about something. This is Mitch McConnell and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez coming and saying, let's talk about what you think about climate control. These parties know they've got him. We're going to come, and it says, we're going to trap him. And so they say, hey, teacher, we know we know that you don't show favoritism and everything that you teach is true. Wait, you're going to butter them up before you uh, kind of pull the rug out under them. We know what you teach is true and that you don't show favoritism. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? For us, this is like not much of a question, right? Because not only is it lawful, it's required, right? Like if you don't do it, they come and get you. But this is about the poll tax. If you're driving down the trade routes of the ancient Near East, 
uh, you're going to have a bag of coins with you. And when you pass through a checkpoint, you're going to hand over a coin so you can go to the next one. Uh, the, the coin you're going to hand over is going to look something like this one. It's a Roman coin. Uh, my Latin is not as good as my Greek, but the translation is Caesar Augustus Tiberius, son of the divine Augustus. So this is literally a claim that Caesar is the son, the divine son of God. And on the back it says uh, Pontiff Maximus, uh, high priest, great high priest. This coin makes the claim that Caesar is divine and the great high priest. Thank you, Jen. Uh, and this is the coin that would be in your bag or be in your pocket and that you would pay to the tax collectors. Shocking a bunch of people that Jesus hung around with, right? The tax collectors. You would pay them this coin and they were able to move around the region. About 70 years before Jesus' time, uh, a group finally decided, this is absurd. The first commandment is have no images right now. Have no gods before me. Make no graven idols. We can't do this. So their, their instinct is to, to have armed revolt, to uh, become literally the party that's the zealots. Oh, wait, Jesus had some of those in his disciples too. And they go to the wilderness. They run off to the forest. They get off the grid to their survivalists to avoid using these coins that would bear the image of Caesar, who claims to be the divine son of God. They go off and do their thing. And you have a whole group of Israelites who go, hmm, this Rome thing looks pretty big. Uh, we're not going to overthrow them, so let's make the most of our days. Hey, if we can have this uh, King Herod here who will be supported by Rome and we won't have to do much in terms of like uh, fighting, sure, let's, let's support this civil government. And they hated each other. It's like the vitriol you see on our TV stations when you bring somebody from the other side to come talk. They despised each other and thought that they were just the worst. How dare you risk getting us in trouble through this zealotry? You have this insurrection instinct, this uh, fighting against them. How dare you give in to human government, to trusting and them for security. And so these parties come to Jesus and say, is it lawful to pay the poll tax? Knowing that whatever answer he gives is going to get him in trouble. He'll either be ridiculed by the people of Israel as being a secular nobody if he says yes, or he'll be thrown in prison by the Roman authorities if he says no, don't pay your taxes. We finally got him Neither of us like him. We can do away with this rabble rouser, get him out of our hair, and we can go back to what we want to do. So Jesus, is it lawful to pay the tax? You hypocrites. How dare you test me? Does that feel a little familiar when somebody asks you, what do you think about gun control? What do you think about abortion? What do you think about Black Lives Matters? Most of the time you can hear in their tone of voice, they don't actually care what you think about Black Lives Matters or abortion or gun control. They're trying to set you up into a category, right? 
Most people don't want to sit down and have the hour-long conversation about this issue or that issue to talk about the nuances there. Trying to trap you. And Jesus knows right off the bat that they're trying to trap him. And he could have simply said, I'm not falling for this. Right? You hypocrites, you're not doing this to me today. Uh Uh-uh. But instead he says, show me a coin. Show me that coin that you have in your pocket. And they they pull one out and it looks very probably similar to the one that we show on the screen. It bears the image of Caesar and it claims that Caesar is divine, that he's the great high priest. Jesus says, give to Caesar, sorry, give back to Caesar what Caesar has given you and give back to God what God has given you. It's the same Greek word in both cases, apodidomy. It's to return to the one who brought it to you. Whatever Caesar gave you, give back to Caesar. And whatever God gave you, give back to God. A perfectly acceptable answer that kind of gets him off the hook with both parties, but is so brilliant in its response. Because you have these piddly little coins have Caesar's image on them. Yes, this little bit of metal in your pocket is Caesar's, but... What has Caesar really given you? A little bit of civil, civil society, a little bit of coinage with which to do transactions. But really, what, what has he given you? And then give back to God what God has given you. Your very life, your breath, your very being you know, Colossians and John both talk about Jesus being the firstborn of all creation, the one through whom all things came into create to being. Nothing was created outside of Christ. So even the very elements that make up this coinage ultimately come through our God. Give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and give back to God what is God's. They think they've created this very sound binary option. And Jesus just rejects their binary out of hand. He rejects the proposition completely. Yeah, some things are Caesar's, but the great majority of everything is God's. So give back to God what God has given you. And they're astonished and they go away. Our world wants us to be forced into false dichotomies, into choosing against binaries. And virtually none of them are actually God's choices. God regularly rejects those. To ask somebody, do you believe in scripture or in justice is a false dichotomy. Do you believe in law and order in the land and the need to care for our friends of color? The list goes on and on and on of how our world is trying to trap us. And to say that you have to pick one or the other and then all of your choices have to line up. 
The Bible is full of messy story after messy story where God rejects what the world tries to throw. God has asked us to do the hard work of identifying what is God's. Recognizing that everything we have and own and are is because of God. To do the hard work of looking at binaries and saying, do either of these do either of these delight God? Or is God somewhere in the messy middle? See, this passage is, is less about whether you can pay taxes and more about Jesus' answer. It's not so much about can you give a coin, but so much about where is your heart oriented? Not so much about is it okay to have a picture of Caesar in your pocket as where do you define your very being from? Friends, you can be a Republican and a Christian. You can be a Democrat and a Christian. Can we show the world what it looks like to reject their binaries? Can we show the world that our God has really given us all this? That our God, the one who rejects these, asks us to do the same. Can we do the hard work of sitting down with our friends and saying, no, it's not okay to have that simple, easy answer? Can we talk about how messy this all is because it's the story of God and the story of us, right? If God had just dropped down everything by fiat, we could just work out some kind of prescripted story. It's one thing, but God is working in and through messy us to bring about his glory. And I believe... We hide God's glory when we give in to the world's demands of an easy binary answer. I believe that when we settle for the party line, we're giving far more back to Caesar than Caesar has ever given us. Friends, give back to the world what the world has given you, but give back to God what God has given you. This God who formed you in his image. This God who literally breathed into us the breath of life. This God through which all things came into being. This is the God to whom we should be giving back our very selves, our very lives, our very witness. If you find it easy to answer the world's binaries, I'd like to suggest we're probably not thinking hard enough. We're probably not wrestling deep enough. We're probably not... We're probably not praying fervently enough. Our God rejected the world's demands over and over again uh, in the story of Israel and then even when he took on flesh in Christ, the, the, the world's expectations... We're just flipped upside down. For in so much as they expected one type of king, they got another. And for in so much as they expected Israel to become the world's superpower, the church was born. Instead of carrying around coins that say, Jesus Christ, the divine son of God, the great high priest, 
We come to the very, the very symbol of a gruesome death and resurrection. Instead of feasting in great banquet halls, we come to simple bread and a simple cup. Signs that our God gave himself for us and gives himself now to us.